Welcome to another episode of I made a biology podcast to help me study. Well, Laura did, but I'm helping out trying to finish up um, a few of the higher level topics. And now we're actually going to review the topic 7.2 transcription and gene expression. And we're going to jump right at it with the application, the promoter as an example of non-coding DNA with a function. If you actually want more information about non-coding um, DNA, we have the mnemonic sting and um, I touched upon that in the topic 7.1. Now, a gene is a sequence of DNA which is transcribed into RNA, and it actually has three main parts. We have the promoter, the coding sequence, and the terminator. The promoter um, is basically just the non-coding sequence which is responsible for the initiation of transcription. So this is actually um, the binding site for RNA polymerase, which is the enzyme um, responsible for transcription. Um, then we have the coding sequence, which is basically just the region of DNA that is actually going to be transcribed by RNA polymerase according to um, complementary base pairing. And then we actually have the terminator, which is the sequence of DNA, which will cause all units um, important for transcription to detach. So now we actually also have the antisense and the sense strand. The antisense strand is the strand that is transcribed into RNA. And it's basically just the sequence that will be complementary to the RNA sequence and will be the DNA version of the tRNA anticodon sequence. And um, it's also often referred to as the template strand. And then the sense strand is the trans that is actually not transcribed into RNA and it'll be the DNA version of the RNA sequence. So it's basically identical in terms of its basis, just that we have thymine instead of uracil because we know that uracil um, is thymine in a mRNA sequence. So now moving on to the actual process of um, transcription. Um, which covers the understanding transcription occurs in a five to three direction. Um, so basically, DNA transcription has three main steps. We have initiation, elongation, and termination. And during initiation, the RNA polymerase, so the transcription enzyme, binds to the promoter region on the DNA or on the gene, um, causing the double helix to unwind. And as we know, um, the promoter region is the beginning of the gene and is usually a series of repetitive um, bases. So usually a sequence of T's and A's um, that signals the beginning of the gene. Um, then we have the step of elongation. Um, so the RNA polymerase synthesizes complementary, synthesizes a complementary RNA copy from the antisense strand via complementary base pairing. So adenine binds with thymine, cytosine binds with guanine. Um, and this is actually, an elongation is then actually where um, mRNA becomes longer as more nucleotides 
are um, added. So the nucleotides form covalent bonds between each other and the mRNA basically then peels away from the DNA template, so from the antisense strand. And then um, at the end, the two sides of the DNA, so the two anti-parallel strands, actually come back together after one, this one side has been transcribed, so after the antisense strand has been um, transcribed. Then the last step is termination in which the RNA polymerase actually reaches a special sequence of bases called the terminator region, which we um, know of as in the last part of the gene. Um, and that region will then tell the RNA polymerase and the mRNA molecule to detach. Now moving on to post-transcriptional modification, which covers the understanding eukaryotic cells modify mRNA after transcription. What's important as well is, I forgot to mention before, but um, in prokaryotes there's no nucleus. So after transcription, translation can actually directly take place, whereas in eukaryotes, um, mRNA, mRNA actually first has to go through post-transcriptional modification because there is a nucleus in order to be able to then be translated by ribosomes. Um, and the reason is also that eukaryotes contain introns and exons. Introns are DNA sequences that contain no coding information. So another example of non-coding um, DNA and talked about in 7.1. And it also contains exons, which are DNA sequences that code for polypeptides. So the first step in post-transcriptional modification is methyl capping. This step is basically just the addition of a methyl group, so CH3, to the beginning of the mRNA molecule. That basically helps um, to protect it against degradation and it actually facilitates transportation. Then the second step is polyadenation which is basically the addition of a string of adenine nucleotides to the end of the mRNA molecule. It's basically called the poly-A tail, um, which is then added to the three end of the mRNA, which improves stability and helps transportation. And then last, we have splicing, which is when um, bases which don't code for useful amino acids um, in the gene, so introns, are actually removed by an enzyme. And then the useful um, coding areas, so the exons, are actually left intact and are joined to make, to make one continuous coding sequence. Now, the splicing of mRNA actually increases the number of different proteins that an organism can produce. So to summarize, we first have methyl capping, then we have polyadenation, and later splicing. Now moving on to gene expression, specifically the understanding gene expression is regulated by proteins that bind to specific base sequences in DNA. So transcriptional activity is actually regulated by two main groups of proteins, which mediate the binding of RNA polymerase to the promoter region of the gene. 
The transcription factors form a complex with RNA polymerase at the promoter, and without these factors, RNA polymerase cannot initiate um, transcription and therefore their levels um, regulate gene expression. Then regulatory proteins bind to the DNA sequences outside of the promoter and interact with the transcription factors. Activator proteins bind to the enhancer sites and therefore increase the rate of transcription, whilst repressor proteins actually bind to silencer genes, uh, silencer sequences, and then decrease the rate of transcription. Now, um, the understanding the environment of a cell and of an organism has an impact on gene expression. That is because chemical signals within the cell can actually trigger changes in the level of regulatory proteins or transcription factors in response to specific stimuli. Um, and that obviously then allows gene expression to change in response to um, alternations in these intracellular and extracellular conditions. There are numerous examples of organisms which change their gene expression patterns. For example, we have the Himalayan rabbit, which produces a different fur pigment depending on the temperature. So for example, if the temperature is above 35 degrees, it'll have white fur, whilst if, it be, it's, if it's below 30 degrees, it'll have black fur. Now moving on to the understanding, nucleosomes help to regulate transcription in eukaryotes. So as we know, eukaryotic DNA is actually wrapped around histone proteins to form compact nucleosomes. And um, these um, nucleosomes can make it easier or harder um, for transcription to occur. If we have acetylation, so the addition of an acetyl group, um, the hold of the histone proteins, specifically of the histone tails, will loosen and so um, transcription can increase since the DNA is more accessible. And if we have methylation on the other hand side, um, that is the addition of a methyl group, which will tighten the hold of the histone protein, proteins and therefore limit transcription. Okay, so we're actually going to end off with the skill analysis of changes in DNA methylation patterns. So direct methylation of DNA, which is opposed to the histone tails um, being um, methylated, can also affect gene expression patterns. The increased methylation of DNA decreases gene expression by preventing the binding of um, specific transcription factors and consequently the genes that are not transcribed tend to exhibit more DNA methylation than genes that are actively transcribed. So over the uh, life span we have different um, DNA methylation factors, so factors that influence DNA methylation. Um, so fertilization, we have parent of origin, then we have pregnancy, um, will be influenced by maternal diet, infancy is more like early life exposure to microbes, as a young adult you'll have the environmental diet or lifestyle, and as a senior you'll see age-related changes which will cause changes in the DNA methylation patterns.
Now, epigenetics is the study of changes in the phenotype as a result in um, as a result of variations in gene expression levels. And epigenetics um, analysis actually shows that DNA methylation patterns may change over the course of a lifetime due to the factors that I actually just stated. And it is influenced by heritability, but is also genetically predetermined. So for example, um, identical twins may actually have different um, DNA methylation patterns. Then we also have different cell types in the same organisms that have markedly different DNA methylation patterns. And then we also have environmental factors such as diet, pathogen, exposure, which may influence the level of DNA methylation within a cell. Okay, so that actually wraps up 7.2 um, DNA transcription and gene expression. I hope it helped to some extent and I'll see you in the next episode.